0: You know, you started out, you come to New York City, to the to the Lower East Side, you solo my area. Said,
1: wait. Don't, don't, well, wait. My dad says, don't let the Big Apple make applesauce out of you. <laughs> That's my father's advice about New York. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. I have funny. no life skills. I have no
0: life skills. But you That's can't. All, that was what I was told. That was I, You know, was I was lucky. <laughs> Because my mother was from Manhattan, so she was so happy that I was, you know, <laughs> that is so well, funny. Well, my dad worked.
1: <laughs> my dad worked in New York for many years uh, yeah. in fashion, so I had been to New York. My mom took me to the Modern, and you know, I, I had been around New York. But so Soho was was really done by the time I got there. You couldn't afford it, so. Right. I moved to Williamsburg. I was one of the first, you know, I was in the early what? wave. Yeah. I was in the, I had a loft in Williamsburg. I lived right across the street from the diner that is from two girls. Wow. And, um, and it was a great adventure, but it was a little too soon. It was the next Soho, but yeah, not yet. it was like, if you could wait 10 years, you know, it'll be. The but next you Soho. worked.
0: You, you, all right. You started out as a visual artist mm-hmm. and you, you showed your art at the Met. Mm -hmm. and at the Dance Theater Workshop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been a show at the
1: Metropolitan Museum of Art Library. I was making these little books, one-of-a-kind books, and I I started to get into shows, book shows, kind of fancy, because they were very unusual, they were very messy, and the book art world is super pristine. I mean, just like you and I, I mean, we, I, I was like lopping paint on and sewing with my hand (laughs) and and writing stories with big paint and they were different, you know, and I wasn't like, oh, how is a book done? You know? So, but then I really, my performance, it's funny with performing because I really love performing. And like when I was at Brown, but I wasn't in the theater department, I, I, I will tell you, and I'm, this sounds so stupid, but I always thought plays were kind of stupid. Because I'm like, we're right here. I, don't they know we're right, like right here? Right, right, right. Like, I was like, I get it. If we're like in 1600 and or Shakespeare, <laughs> like, there's no TV. But like, we have TV. So if you want to do that, do it on TV. Right, right, and, right. But I love I love dance, and I love. I was a. I was never a great dancer, but I was a good choreographer, and I did very experimental chor- You know, choreograph work and. Um, and I love dancing. And so I did that and I adored performing and I, I didn't really know what a performance artist was at, in school, but I guess it, you know, as soon as I came to New York and then I was working at the unsloppy copy shop, another un in my life. And that's when we still had copy shops, not to, yeah. you know, date myself, but, um, and everyone came in. It was on 8th Street. It was so much fun. Every right. band came in. And I would, you know, I met everyone. I hooked up with people. And it was great. And um, who needs a dating app? So um, it was so much fun. And it was printmaking, too, which
0: I really loved. I loved it's printmaking. It's so interesting that you're, you know, you're a visual artist. Like, I can't draw my way out of a paper bag. I don't even know what that expression means. But... There's so many comics who have other, you know, art stuff, music, yes. like you have music and right. And it's, I feel yeah. like timing, like I, I hear, I am very auditory, but you're very visual. Like it's, I, I it's fascinating to me. So well, but-
1: it was hard when I started comic Well, so you know basically the way i started performing was i was doing well with these books but i thought what's gonna happen i mean the, the best thing that can happen is a rich person buys them
0: wait that's the best thing but was your mother so happy like my daughter did she was she like jewy no. like that beth is no. going to be at the metropolitan uh, no. museum of no. no 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 Rita no the did not talk like that. that there was
1: nothing and there was no sense of like there's no I'm, affect no but- But besides that, there was no understanding of the art world and what would be good and what would be, the whole thing seemed, I think, scary to them. Um, The whole, I don't think, I never got like, it was never clear. I think I always felt they were worried for me more than like excited that I was in the Met. It all was like, you're in the Met, but it's like these crazy books. You know, it wasn't like understandable really. Right, right. So Did um, people buy them? No, because I didn't do it for very long. Right. I was started selling art very young. I mean, even, like, in college, I was selling stuff, even, like, the frame shop in New Haven. I mean, I was, I could, I was starting to sell work, and I was, like, the TA for printmaking. I was good at it, but it just – I couldn't – there was too much about art that was this is so obvious. It was a lot. It's all materials, and I have such a hard time with physical reality, like, mm-hmm. keeping track of things and moving things. So I was like – but I, then I won the photographer, the art prize senior year. So I was like, oh, that's what I am. I'm an artist. And, right. But then my advisor told me, you didn't really win it for the work. You won it for the way you wrote about the work. And then I'm like, oh, so am I a writer or right. I'm an artist? I uh, you know. So I go to New York. I do these things. That, but, but even after doing them for a very short time, and they were successful pretty fast, I just got like, oh, the way you're successful in the art world is you make something and a rich person buys it. Like that's right. the game. And I just thought I don't want to just be pimping out to rich people. Right, 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 Again, with my like, why should they get to say? Right, right, um, right. And so then I thought I have an idea. So I decided I was going to make these books. I was going and then I moved into Manhattan because I couldn't take Williamsburg. And then I which was a funny story because I was like, I have to live in little Italy. I don't know why. I just, I have to live in little Italy. So I walk the streets, walk the streets, walk the streets. And then one day I'm on Mulberry street and I go into the social club, which people are familiar with from the Sopranos. The guys are sitting there. I don't know what it is. I'm a girl from right. Haven. Nobody's ever told me anything. I see these guys sitting, having an espresso and I open the door. I walk in and I go, Hey, you guys They all put their hands in their pockets. You know, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> they're like doesn't she know about the mafia yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious and i'm like hey you guys does anyone know of any apartments around no here?
0: way <laughs>
1: they're like, oh. but i had a friend who was a friend from brown actually right um uh who lived on the block and eventually he helped me get an apartment above lucy's candy store which uh. was a store that had three candy bars in the uh <laughs> in the counter <laughs> it was like not a candy store and if this is like too long a story i won't tell you but no anyway. no no go ahead well uh, my parents came to visit me there and lucy said to my parents don't worry we're watching out for her she'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> and so in that building, this is crazy. This building was so amazing. So it's a five floor walk up, you know, it, it's as big as my computer to, you know, it's so small. There's not one right angle in the whole thing. There's no water pressure, but I, I loved it so much. I mean, it was, it was just life to me, this place. I was so excited to be there. It was Mulberry street between spring and Prince. It was everything to me. And, um, on my Instagram, actually, I posted a picture from the roof recently that my friend Donna Ann McAdams, the amazing photographer, took, and it got, like, more likes than anything. Wow. it's like, you just like me when I'm young. But anyway, um, uh, it's a great picture. Check it out on my Instagram. So anyway, so I'm there, and... Um, I start making these little books big. Now I'm going to make them big and I'm going to perform in front of them because then everybody can see them. And I miss performing, but I don't want to be a dancer and I don't really want to act, but I love performing. So I'm going to make these books giant. Instead of writing the stories, I'm going to paint them and I'm going to tell the stories in front of them. Great idea.
0: Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So I get in. That's a good mode of expression. Yeah,
1: I thought so. (laughs) So I get (laughs) in. So I start to perform at the various performance art spaces. So I get in and... Um, I get, you know, my very first review is like problematic because it was in the Soho News and it was like, I can't remember the headline. I have to find it somehow. But it was something like, fuck the old timers. There's this great new, this, this one, there's this new girl and she's amazing. So, and then it was like medium reviews of three powerful performance artists. And then, but there's this new chick so I was like, "Oh, who's this new chick?" Ah. And it was like, but it was, I don't know. So anyway, but here's the funny story. So I'm making these things. Right, this was a little before that, and I get a uh, <laughs> I get a uh, a, a sheetrock. You know, when you see people going in the city moving sheetrock around on, yeah. it's like this dolly, yeah. and um, and I bring put the books on them and I wheel it to Washington Square Park. Where in order to get a good spot, you've got to be a fire eater. I mean, right. you can't be like a quirky, brown-educated girl telling offbeat stories about right. a mythical she. You know? And so I, just, I took the best spot. And some guy comes up to me and goes, "Uh, honey, this is my spot. And I was like, my, I'm here. And it was just so like, you're not here. You are not here. Anyway, I had to like vacate that spot. Yeah, it was it, there's turf wars in Washington Square Park. Anyway, I do this, and then I would keep the sheetrock thing and the books underneath the stairwell, and the super of the building was Louise Bourgeois. Do you know that artist, that famous artist Louise Bourgeois? She's a very famous mm-hmm. uh, female, one of the most. You know, I'll, I'll check her on Wikipedia later, and okay. uh, and she's very famous. And her son was my super, so he was very pro artists and. Uh, He said, you can't keep your books there. You can't keep your books there. But he let me keep my books there because he loved artists. And one night I'm in my apartment and I'm writing a story about a girl who saves her boyfriend from the fire. And while I'm writing this story, bam, 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 bam. No, It's the fire department. There's a fire in the building. No. Yeah. Fire, fire, fire. Like just our phones. I mean, it's like, it's so thin. The membrane is so thin. What is that? I don't know. So wait, even so the fire gets put out. Where has the fire started?
0: At in your books. Uh, in
1: my books under the stairwell. So then I'm petrified of myself. I'm right. like, I'm too powerful. <laughs> and I, I think, <laughs> I mean, I wish I had somebody asked me recently, like, do you have a mentor the way you mentored? did you have a mentor? And I'm like, I didn't. I mean, I right. wish I had had like an older woman or man, I, you know, or. Right. Or anybody i mean not gender specific to say like at this time like this is what it means to be an artist you have these things you're sensitive you know this is part of the gig and don't worry about it and just learn you need to study like you need to learn meditation and you should stop getting stoned and you should do this and that you know you need to understand your power and not say your power but you have to understand the power. i mean look there's some people who understand how to make money that's their power But, you know, what
0: is it that, you know, so anyway. Well, the thing that, you know, every, everyone knows you for is UnCabaret. And this is, you went to L.A. with Greg, your mm-hmm. ex-husband, Jim. Mm-hmm. and <laughs> you go, and this, this is why I was so upset you would never use me. It's because told so many jokes (laughs) it's because i told jokes you you created a space for people i'm sorry it's okay but but i'm gonna tell you why that it was so emotional for me um is because you you it's a story it wasn't only storytelling it was rants it was non-misogynistic it was non homophobic you always say there's no Uh, xenophobia no misogyny no homophobia Um, And the fact that you created UnCabaret because, as you said, you got to L.A., you go to these clubs and literally every comic was using their act as as a sort of audition or stepping stone to do something else. Right. To get a sitcom every because, you know, look, Roseanne and every comic I I did not ever get a development deal or a holding deal. I'm like the only comic of that era that didn't. But it was like they were all tailoring their act so that when an agent or a writer or a producer or network executive was in the audience, that they would say, oh, that's an idea for a sitcom, you know? Yeah. And I always felt and and then there was uncabaret, and the uncabaret. you know there were comics that and you know we're talking our good friend judy told god oh re- my god who we're gonna talk about and taylor negron Ugh. and julia sweeney and michael patrick king and uh david cross and janine Garof- like there was just it was there were comics in the club clubs that were like, eh, he, 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 they use their notes. Yeah. You know, like, so like, eh, eh. and I never, even though I told, I never really told, I told stories a lot and I talked about my mother, but I never really felt like I fit in, in the clubs, in the way And I always wanted to be a part of, and it felt kind of like, oh, they're the cool ones. And it was like, I don't fit in anywhere. You know, I could go in the clubs and kill. I knew how to kill and do my own thing. I don't think anyone else was like me, but I wasn't the type that did those two, those ten minute, eight minute, six minute. Pieces. I uh, would get on and just talk and talk. And I was like, oh, I used to tell Judy, tell, tell Beth. I do. like tell stories. Like I tell a story about my mother. <laughs> 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 I'm so sorry. I <laughs> so I, um, You're right. I was wrong. I'm not in. Now it's okay. It's okay. But it really did. You created this uncabaret cabaret. You decided I'm going to create a performance space that's safe. Um. Oh, and people and- hated that. Why should it be safe? right because you saw a bunch of let you did a show at, at, a, at a place and there were a bunch of lezzies in the audience and they were you were like oh my god the, you guys are so receptive and they said yeah because i said when was the last time you laughed they were yeah. like well we don't laugh we're women we because club we're the we're the daughter yeah. that they make fun of and and it was like a ping for you and you created this. I literally, in
1: the moment, said to them, It was a download. I didn't think of it. I don't know where it came from. I literally, in the moment, said to them, I'll make you a show. It'll be unhomophobic, unxenophobic, unmisogynous. It'll be the uncabaret. Where that came from, I don't know. What it was, I didn't know. Right. I didn't know. I didn't, except that I had had this idea, you know, that we talked about earlier, you know, there's got to be a better way. And then so that's the thing about being ready for an opportunity kind of thing like I did have this idea there has to be a different way than there we were and I make a show but I didn't know what it was I didn't know it would last the rest of my life and it's right. cross that I would carry around
0: and it, it's <laughs> not a cross that you carry it's <laughs> fucking it. it's amazing so um, you know hmm. but it's also like
1: it's in some way it is amazing it's a hundred I'm so grateful for it it's been a life
0: I've learned so much I've tried to quit it many times yes I, I have read that many uh many times now do you remember the first on cabaret show and who was on it go okay that's such a great
1: question but i and i have a very iffy i i do remember doing it um where was it it was at the women's building it was at the women's building it wasn't just that they happened to be at a show there was this building called the women's building in downtown la that was a women's artist space it was where judy chicago Oh yeah, I love her. Yeah. Party. So it was that space and so I did it for them there. And um you know, I th- maybe Judy Toll was in the first show. Um uh, maybe Carrie Snow um, I really it, and, and beyond that there's no posters I don't remember we did a couple of shows there it was still very searching what it was going to be and then they lost their funding and then I thought well there's something here and so we took it to Highways which had been started by Tim Miller who started at PS122 in New York right
0: where you had now, done stuff you done stuff at
1: PS122 oh a like, ton a ton of stuff already Danceteria remember Danceteria yeah uh,
0: the kitchen Yeah. yeah all that
1: Right. Uh, yeah. And then so Tim started that and, and I did it there. And that was just me, Taylor and Judy. So I like to think the women's building was almost the like insemination. Then the the highways was the gestation. And Luna Park was where it was born. People say, where did it start? And I'm like, it was a long two-year process. It was Luna, yeah. We would call it beta testing now. Right. But there was this long period of growth.
0: Hey, everyone. You know what I just did? I tore, I poured, and I enjoyed a packet of liquid IV because I love liquid IV, liquid IV is a major part of my life. And I just worked out with my trainer and I had a delicious lemon ginger liquid IV. That one has a little extra, that has a little green tea in it. And so that's a little caffeinated. So I enjoy that because I needed it today. And you know, it's getting warmer out. And what does that mean? Summer. Oh, God, please come. It can't come soon enough. And that means you have to hydrate. And that's what Liquid IV does. It hydrates you with benefits like electrolytes, vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients. And it has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in one little stick. And that's why Liquid IV is the number one powered hydration brand in America. Okay? And I love it. I use it every day. Ben's basketball team uses it. It is a science-backed formula that works. It keeps you hydrated. And they have sugar-free. They have sugar-free packets in white peach, green grape, raspberry melon, and lemon lime. Okay? I didn't do the sugar-free. Okay. But Elisa does the sugar-free. So what are you going to do? You're going to stay hydrated because it's very, very important. And Liquid IV has been a longtime sponsor, and I love them, and they are a quality product. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to turn your ordinary, ordinary, can't speak, turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use code JudyGold Gold at checkout. That's J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code Judy Gold J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, can't even say my name, at liquidiv.com. Got it? You're welcome. Okay, two questions. When did you know, oh my God, I, I have something here. That's question number one. And number two, when did you realize... Okay, these are the rules.
1: Highways was great fun and it was Taylor and I and Judy. And
0: um Taylor Negron, Judy Toll. Judy Toll.
1: They re- really the three of us, I consider that really were the DNA formed. And I, it really did feel like something because all the different threads of what on Cabaret is Judy's ultra person. I mean, oh my people God. don't know her, I mean, she was just so open I, and
0: we, caring. We need to now dedicate a few minutes. Judy Toll was one of my best friends, one of your best friends. She passed away from melanoma in 2002, was the biggest hypochondriac in the world, uh, was the most honest... Performer, I think she was the most um naked in a way, performer. Not no holes barred. I when she got and and just FYI when she when she got when she found out she had cancer <laughs> um and it was stage four, she would like call up and go, Judy toll to stage four, please. Judy toll to stage. Four. <laughs> like it was, when she lost her hair. And she had this wig and it would move in the front and she'd come up and she'd go, she'd, she if she did, a, she'd move it and go, top of the morning to you, top of the morning. You know, there was nothing that was sacred. And she embodied on cabaret because she would just get up there, emote, rant, and tell a story. Um, she would, and she would call me the next
1: day and she would run through it and say who was really doing, it. Dana, she would get mad at Dana Gould. He didn't really do it. Right. He didn't really do it though. I hear it. He'd done that piece before. I, right. <laughs> I mean, she would really like, she was really strict, like stricter than anyone. About right. The rules. the rules really happened like this. Um, once we were at Luna park, the rules were still sort of like, just do stuff you can't do at the clubs. That's how it started. And then, then, and I was calling people like, you gotta come see this. And they were like, I hate stand up," And I'd be like, it's not like, don't you know, like that. So we're getting people in, and then people are starting to like it, and they're bringing their friends. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wait a minute. We can't do the same stuff again. I mean, now people are coming back. Right. Oh, and so I can't do the same stuff. I'm on hosting, and but really, they saw, you date. okay, so everybody new stuff. But once people started doing new things, then I, they were, it's hard to do new material, as you know. So if you're oh, going to do a right. whole set yeah. of new material, there's things you haven't figured out totally and so i'd be there was this, a mic there one night and i just asked somebody a question because the mic was there and it was like obvious like they could there was more funny in that spot i don't remember who the first one i keep thinking it was julia and she was telling a story about her house burning down when she was a kid and she passed by it and i said wait a minute wait a minute your house burned down when you were 12 what was that and then that was her whole set and so it got and i also very clearly in my mind, besides being the, the female thing and the gay thing, all those things, um, and the fear of difference, I also had this feeling that my friends were funnier on the phone than they were in clubs. I mean,
0: right. I, I it's just felt so forced. It's very forced. You know? And I just kept
1: thinking there's got to be a way to make it like the phone. Like right. now, nobody talks on the phone, but that feeling of intimacy. And so all of a sudden I asked this question on the back mic and it was like, oh, this
0: is the phone. This is just what it is. Right. So that, that was like, that's when the rule That was the greatest part. That is because I remember in the, you know, in the eighties, like in the early eighties when we were all in New York and I was at the improv and I'd go on really late. And I remember Michael Patrick King would go on the back mic and start like All right, dude. And then sometimes (laughs) he'd run outside to the door. There was a door that was always shut that was by the stage and he would bang on the door. And like, because it was so late at night, we would just fucking play. Um, But that was so great because the first time you got on the mic, someone, I read that someone was doing a bit and it needed something else. And you asked the question, yeah. just said, Oh, but whatever the question was,
1: uh, whatever it was, but you'll know this. I mean, one of the things that keeps an audience from laughing is an unanswered question. If an audience is sitting there and they have a question, they won't laugh because they're just needed an answer. Like if you leave out a piece of information in the setup or you have half of something, there's like, I
0: would laugh, but I need an answer first. So right, right. And I it's, it's, would also, also, it's the same as the elephant in the room. You know, yeah. like it's like you've got to address what people are thinking. You can't not.
1: But try, I always, another pet peeve if we're going to, uh, my two comedy pet peeves, I know what you're thinking. I never want to hear a comedian say, I know what you're
0: thinking. Oh, I know what you're
1: thinking. I know what you're thinking. I'm a Jew. <laughs> i know what you're thinking i'm the love child of somebody and somebody
0: opposite (laughs) that's just my pet peeve just my pet peeve i never said that that is just the funniest i know what you guys are thinking hey what is he gonna get a haircut
1: yeah I've never once been thinking what a comedian knows I'm thinking. <laughs> I mean, I, just, I don't know who they're talking to. And so I check out. And so. Oh my anyway. God. That's
0: so funny. I love that. <laughs> uh, uh, uh,
1: so anyway, I think yeah. that, that, so that's, that is what happened. And then. It, was a, it wasn't like one night. It slowly was like, oh, wow, people are really coming. People are starting to come. And then the LA Times assigned a writer to it, and, and we heard there was this article. Greg did a really smart thing, and he wrote a press release that was like, it's a movement. You know, there are other shows. We're doing this at UnCab, but now there's some other alternative shows. And Anyway, this guy, his name is Chuck Christofoli, started to come, and then all of a sudden, one Friday... You'll, oh, my God, this, this unites us, this story. We're living on Finley, both you and I.
0: Yes, we lived together in L.A. You lived above us. Yes. I, I, I rented, wait, just so everyone know, I rented an apartment with two leszies and upstairs was Beth and Greg, and all I did was complain about the noise, which I still do with my neighbors in New York. Like, that's all. I was like, that was so hard. I was like, I can't walk any softer. <laughs> I can't walk any softer. I'm sleeping. What was that? About? What was that? Wait, it was Finley Avenue. I
1: forgot the address. It was all right. Finley, and um, I can't remember the number, but it was Finley near uh, Hillhurst. Yeah. so uh, oh, I love that apartment. Oh, it was, it was fun. Um, anyway, it was that apartment and I walked out. I used to walk up in the hills in the morning and, and I walked out and there's the Friday LA Times. Like, I can't believe I actually had a subscription, but um, I opened the paper and above the fold in the calendar section on a Friday, the whole above the fold is this giant headline, A New Breed of Comedian's. And then there's pictures of everyone and there's a big picture of me and there's this article that is just like, this is the new thing. And then, you know, and then we go from trying to keep it going to like literally fistfights of people having to get into the shows. Literally. There was one night also some executive had flown in from New York and they weren't going to let her in. I was like, you have to let her in the a fire mark. <laughs> it was like hey, there's a fire mark. you know it was right. Jean-Pierre and he you know I he was a big piece of it he he ran a club you know the club owners as we started with Bert these guys right. and women um who who owned the clubs I there's mean Miss one woman man. yeah I, yeah well um you know it's this is an important part of it and he was a little bit of uh he had he was very parisian and very he he was ran a tight ship in a weird way and but it was a little bit good because it was like he was the parent and then we were in the basement and i think there was something about having the show in the basement that was like it was very the semiotics of it where you would like right. leave the club and to go downstairs you're entering the subconscious right, right. Face a mirror and you let go of your ego and Anyway, so performers would sit on the stairs going up, and it, the room started to get more and more crowded, and people were coming, and, you know, everyone was there. It turned into just such a scene. There were and people, also, I mean,
0: afterwards, because there was a restaurant upstairs, you guys would all hang out. Like it, we was, would all,
1: Yeah, it was a scene. I mean, it was really like a scene. And it was a little weird for me, I have to say, in retrospect. Part of what was hard was being the man. I mean, I was never the funniest. I don't mind saying that. I mean, uh, maybe the something but you know, I was on every night, every show. So it was your show,
0: but do you did you feel like, Oh my God, I'm really cool and hip and I'm, re-. did you ever like think I've created this? I did something with my brown degree. No, did you ever think modes of expression, Judy? Yes. Modes of expression. Did you think? Uh, oh my God, I've I've made I it.
1: I I didn't at the time, and uh, what I really thought was, why can't I sell? You know, and then we tried to sell it. This is a piece of history I don't really talk about. It was optioned, you know, and of course you just want to be on TV. I mean, it's L.A. What good is it to have a hit show? And you, you know, okay, go ahead. And so we were optioned and um, Comedy Central wanted to buy it and they wanted Janine to host it. And I said, no. And nobody told me like, hey, this is show business. Sell it and let her host it and you'll cash in and you're going to make house money. And uh, then what you're going to do is come up with another idea. I was like no, it's my show. I have to host it. So instead Comedy Central did this other show called Comedy Product and I was devastated and they were well, like, "You will Be in it.
0: Can I say something?" Sure. Knowing you. Yeah. Comedy Central would have done that. You, you you would have been drinking even more. They would have ruined your idea. Yeah. Do you know what no, I mean? I know. They we're, would have they really would we're have be here today. Yeah. Right. So everything happens for a reason. Yeah. I mean, eventually we, yeah. And I've I
1: let go of it. You know, there was, yeah. I, 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 about 10 years ago, I thought that was the biggest mistake I n- ever made. Was
0: I know I that. do that too. It's because you get to a certain age where you're like, God, I wish I had so much money because you see all your friends have money and you're like. I could have done this and I would have had. I'm my- like,
1: this. there's still things to do. And this is my destiny. And I just, right. it is what it is. I mean, I'm in acceptance now, but, and eventually we did do it for comedy central, but this is kind of crazy too. This is so show business. We did one. It was supposed to be a backdoor pilot. It did come out. Really. I'm proud of it. We had uh, Kathy Griffin was in it before, you know, she was Kathy and Julia and Taylor and uh, Andy Dick and Scott Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Dana, And it was was supposed to be about like a backdoor pilot, but, and we were getting all this press and then we couldn't get press of, we were told not to get so much press because they needed all the press for South Park because obviously they'd already, you know, South Park was the thing. So we were right up against and so it was like, oh right. yeah, sure, on CAB, but what about South Park? We're that's you know our thing. Right. So that didn't happen, but y- you know, and then I did feel a lot that I was never getting my shot because I had this thing and nobody could really see the other stuff I could do. Right. And everybody else was getting super famous. And yeah. everybody in the show was getting famous and getting their deals and getting right. rich and and it was hard to feel like, oh, you, you know, you're so cool. You created this thing when really I was struggling financially and I couldn't figure out what my, the rest of my thing was going to be. So eventually I did a one person show and then I did get that, a radio hosting job at comedy world. And that was a blessing for a year, but that's a, a two hour show that we won't do right now. What happened to that network? But um, you know, it was interesting because it was ahead of its time, and it was internet. I mean, and radio. it really did
0: change. It did change, and and your impact, honestly, is it's present today. It's present in com- in traditional comedy clubs today. Those people are now considered mainstream in a way. Yeah. And, yeah. and what you were fighting against is considered hack. It is literally considered hack. So you did an excellent. Thank you. Excellent thing. Now, but that was my thing. It was in the
1: past. And why should I do it again? You know, And, and when I went off, you know, uh, I I bought a house in Palm Springs. Right. And I did my show 100% happy 88% of the time. And I was like, I'm really done with sign cab. It's really just time for mom now.
0: You but know. it keeps it keeps co- it keeps coming back.
1: Do you want to hear a crazy? Do you want to hear a crazy story about how it came back? Yeah. So I'm coming. So Palm Springs. I mean, it was a blip. Whatever. It was interesting. It was, that's got to end. And coming back to LA, I can't live. You know, it was supposed to go back and forth, and then the crash. We can't have two places and whatever. Go come back to LA. And um, and then I'm looking. I'm trying to reset up my life. Greg and I are in the middle of breaking up, and. Um, and that's fun. If anybody hasn't ever
0: been through a divorce. Whatever. Oh, it's so great. It's so I great. Lost, <laughs> I lost so much weight. That was the only, <laughs> that's it. I,
1: it was like, and we, now there's no house. I'm living in and the whole thing. It was like, but okay. My good joke from that time is I was avoiding my mom because it was so hard to talk to her. And so finally one day I pick up the phone and I was staying with the brother of one of my friends from Brown and they had a place, Whatever. So I, got, I can't really talk, but I pick up the phone one day and she says, oh my God, I haven't talked to you in so long. How are things? So I'm like, well, you know, fine. She <laughs> says, so what's happening with the show? I'm like, well, I'm 100% happy, 88% of the time. I think we have to close it. Yeah, so nothing's really happening. It was good, but it's over. What's happening with the house? I don't know, maybe foreclosure, maybe Airbnb. I don't know, maybe we can sell it. We're, we're underwater, it's not good. What's happening with your finances? I don't know, it's really not good. Maybe bankruptcy. it's not good. Well, what's happening with Greg? uh yeah things aren't that good um we might be getting divorced. <laughs> and then there's like total silence and then i say well uh as long as we're talking i may as well tell you i also i quit drinking and she says now with everything going on <laughs> she says do you really think this is the best time for that <laughs> mom so that is yeah.
0: the fucking best <laughs> i love
1: that i love that's, that. A good, that's a good that's good um, so so then um and then a friend uh a friend of mitch and mine uh said i'm working at this place and they need shows and maybe you guys could do something Mitch and kaplan mitch is, mitch Kaplan, working we're, we're working 100 happy percent of the time together at that point and and so we go down to this place. Okay, okay. And then a friend of mine had given me a card because it's such a hard time. And she she's kind of like a spiritual guide kind of person. And she gave me this card that was like, it said, Hope One Way. It was like a traffic sign Hope right. One Way, Hope Street, and a one way sign. And I'm like, I don't even believe in hope. You know, uh, hope is about the future. And you know, you, I'm ta- hoping- you
0: said, you a quote, Hollywood taught you that hope will kill you.
1: Yeah that was a Greg thing. And I, I picked it up from him. He was very like, he was more Hollywood than me. He was a screenwriter. I was an artist, you know, and he had a very like, ah, you know, ah, you know, ah, the hope's going to kill you. And I bought it, you know, and, um, and then, but also the yoga was very in the now. So that was also like, not about hope. That was about being present. So I really had a very confused and plus being Jewish. I mean, you know, hope. uh, So, Anyway, she was a Christian and she gave me this card and I loved her. So wherever I went, and I moved 18 times in two years, I went a lot of places. And I would have this little card with me, Hope, one way. So Mitch and I go to this venue and we're looking around. It's a great room. I've never seen this room before. It's so hard to find a good small room. And miraculously, this guy says, yeah, we want you to do a show here. Do a show. Do a show. They're going to pay us to do a show. They don't even know what show. They need a show. You're, you seem good. Sure literally like never has that ever happened right so we're like and then i'm like okay well let's do like playtime with beth and mitch and, and mitch looks at me and goes well let's do on cabaret and i go <laughs> and i'm not never doing it on cabaret again that show was dead to me dead dead right. dead and he said well, let's just do one for your birthday everybody loves on cabaret And i'm like never doing it again he said and so i'm like i'm oh, fine we'll do one on cabaret so we both want to say we're gonna do it on cabaret picnic we walk outside we realize that we're on the corner of First Street and Hope Street. No. And not only that, the venue is called First and Hope. Okay. What anyway, the fuck is that? To the fuck. And then oh. we did one show and seven years later, you know, blah blah blah. <laughs> and then the twenty-fifth anniversary show and then you know, blah yeah. blah blah.
0: find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast-growing trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked in my apartment. What was the first thing I did? Is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but fast-growing trees has changed my atmosphere here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces. But I live in an apartment, and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew, Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome.
1: And then finally, I will say to close on Cabaret, it was with that show that I finally did get. It was really, and I didn't want to do that show either. Another friend convinced me to do that. And it was only then that I had to say to myself, if this is what you did, it's not that bad. Right. Like it never did seem like enough or big thing or good thing or compared to what everyone else did or. And I had to say when I did that show and the love, it wasn't just the love, it was the quality of the show. It was telling the story of the show. I wrote a cover story for the LA Weekly. We did the, you know, and It was really me thinking about the show and the hospital and how that played in and I put it all together and I looked at 1800 people, and new people came. It, was, it wasn't all just like, you know, people who had always come. And in that moment, it was like, I always say it was like a wedding size event. It was right. a little like a funeral, but it was also a little like a funeral because right. we didn't know where we were going. Our venue had closed, and is it ever going to exist again? It was like a wedding, a funeral. A- I- well, I don't know what it was, but I did get in that moment, like, if this is what you did, it's not that bad. <laughs> um, but,
0: um, the, my favorite, I mean, I did go to the show a few times. My favorite, of course, was when Judy Toll... Sued t- Scientology for oh. thirty thousand dollar check. She blew it up. I remember I was staying with her. She blew it up and brought it on. She was fucking fearless and brought this fucking check and told the story, all the secrets of Scientology. That was amazing.
1: That was. If people want
0: to hear that. That's
1: actually you can hear that. I think on Apple Music there's a Judy Toll Somethingology. We called it because we couldn't right. call Scientology. People can go listen to that.
0: Yeah, there is. You can listen to Judy. So that's one. Other amazing things that happened on the stage. Julia Sweeney went on stage and said, So I have a little cancer. (laughs) Hold for laughs. (laughs) That's what she would say. I have a little cancer. Hold for laughs. And that turned into her amazing show, and God said, Ha. Yeah. What other, any other.
1: Things that came out of it.
0: Yeah, that you that were like, oh, my God, you know, yeah. we should get a fucking you should get a commission on these. Go ahead. I know.
1: Um, I know. People were like, you should become a manager. I'm like,
0: no, 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 I, you, no don't <laughs> become a manager.
1: Well, Bob and David, you know, we're working on Mister show. I don't want to Bob say. Bob
0: Kirk and, and David Cross. And David Cross.
1: I don't want to say that really came out of cabaret because they, I mean, you know, it didn't come out of it, but they were working on it at the right. same time. David gave me a really great piece of advice when we were doing the cabaret TV show. He said, just know that it's because they had these amazing Bob and David live shows while they were developing Mr. Show. They were great events. And um, he said, you know, just don't expect the TV thing to be the same. Like, right. it's going to be different. That was great advice. And so that was happening kind of concurrently. It didn't have an ad on Cabaret, but there was like crossover. They were working some stuff out. Um, and, you know, the Sklar brothers, uh-huh. they did a show that Greg helped them produce, and uh, that came out of Uncanny. You know, and, all
0: these relationships, you know, that I, I could have been in. You're
1: um, in now, a lot of those people are gone. I know. I'm
0: love- on Cabaret, Zoom now. You First are. of all, on Cabaret Zoom is, like, the only good... It is so interesting, because I have done stand-up on Zoom. It's literally the only good entertainment on Zoom. It's oh, so weird how you. it translates. It translates. Well, because partly, but that thing. You know what it is? It's that phone thing. It goes right back to the phone. There's yeah. intimacy. Yeah. Um... Like, it's like the FaceTime. It's like the new phone of, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Plus, I mean, Uncabry has always been a community. I just changed it on, on Instagram from comedy show to community. Because, like in a way, that. that is what, partly why people plug back in. I mean, I've we have new people. People are, it's so great with the Zoom thing. So, I'm, I'm watching in Germany, you know. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. But, but I also have people who are like, I used to come to Luna Park on Robertson. You know, it's so great to see you again. Right. Like that.
0: It's, it's, I, I, I can't, I'm doing it again. And not yeah. this Sunday, but this Sunday. And I love that you picked Sundays because Sunday is, there's something ominous about Sundays and there's something, you hate this word, hopeful about yeah. Sundays. Yeah, no, you know, I like it now. I've, I've, I've All right, but helpful, yeah. it, it is, it is an interesting night that most people are like, don't know what to do with it. And it's carrying and, so much weight Sunday night.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's it so happens serendipitously, anxiety. but I, I'm so happy that it did. And it was part of, I mean, I always sign my email in my newsletter. I always sign it Sunday, you know, your Sunday girl. And, um, because I do feel it's that it, there's a word for it that is a smarty pants word, which is liminal. And li- a liminal space is like a, uh, a hallway, or you know, an in-between space. Right, and transitional. Yeah, mm, yeah. And Sunday, and it goes back to what I was saying about, you know, not going ever, I never went to first grade. I never got the rules. I was just went from transition to second grade. This thing about being in a shift and transition and like, it's that kind of space. And even for people, I mean, for artists, it's a space of inventing new work and that in between place of coming up with new stuff. And, and that is a really big part of what it is. So every now and then we've done night shows on other nights, but you know, it's our home. I I love it. And I'm
0: so happy. It's like, I mean, I'm 57 and I finally made it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So Beth, I ask my guests two questions. Always. We are very pro mental health. I suffer anxiety. I've had clinical depression as we talked about the ADD and, you know, uh, no executive function whatsoever. Uh, what, uh, i i know you said you meditate mm-hmm. you do yoga have you have you ever taken antidepressants have you ever um
1: i never have even though it's been suggested to me many right. times and in fact when i was in high school i had another different onyx ring and people to go oh it's your mood ring um <laughs>
0: I love weight. I used to check it to see what kind of mood I was in. I mean, like I didn't. Yeah, I love it.
1: So um, I've never taken antidepressants. I've been resistant to it.
0: I don't I know wish I would, But yeah, um, totally. it's I think. Awesome. The, I, has it helped you? It has. It's just the weight gain, and I take so many pills every day. I'm like, I'm like a fucking, you know, yeah. Drugstore, but but you know, I so, mean, you can figure out. People need therapy. People need therapy you, yoga meditation i mean meditation
1: has really really same. really really yeah. helped and i've done so many different kinds but in six years ago i started a meditation practice that's called vedic which is essentially the uh sanskrit yogic version of tm you get your mantra and i it's so simple i, I mean other practices would make me anxious so i hate to even just say meditation because that can mean so many different things specifically this one practice has helped me a lot
0: um, did, you, did you have to pay $8,000 for your money? No,
1: but I did have to pay, but not 8,000. Uh, you can find a Vedic teacher without the sliding scale. And okay. I paid in payments and it was, re- I really did it as most of my life, you know, oh, well, one of my friends became a teacher and oh, right. we have to support him and i I'm just I'm never blah, blah, blah. And oh. then it turns out to be the thing that like,
0: you know. Right. The other thing, you know, I it is, the podcast is called Kill Me Now because as you know, everything gets on my fucking nerves. <laughs> so I want to know what pisses you off more than, like, what may, besides? I know what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I gave you two examples. I know. For me, is a lot. Um, does it, anything drive you fucking like where you were like, I want to fucking kill? You know, like I can't. You know, it's funny. I do
1: have a hard time with anger. Um, I don't know why your parents seem to really embrace it. (laughs) So, I mean, there was that moment in the, you know, all these things about the comedy world. I, 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 this a little thing. I mean, maybe if a little thing is okay. Yeah. I really, I'm a very patient driver because I'm a bad driver. So I'm always like, well, that's something I would do. Right. Um, But the thing of where people go through red lights because they've oh, been waiting, and so they think it's fine. Oh, yeah, well, that I've happens been waiting. in L.A. all the time. I've been waiting. I'm not, I mean, it's my turn. And it's like, <laughs> it's not your turn. The light's red. The light's red, and no matter what, what you think, there's a red light saying it's not your turn. Like, you
0: put in, I put in my time, so yeah. fuck it, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's my time, <laughs> it's my turn. So that makes me, like, super, super, super mad. I do get really still mad at... Um, You know, the all I do, the boys club just does still make me mad. Oh, it makes me so
0: upset. I
1: can't can't even look at it. Like, I don't even know that it makes me mad because I can barely stand to look.
0: It's got, I have, that has gotten worse in me and, and having two straight white male sons and seeing how, their life, how they navigate through life and how much easier it is. It makes it even like makes me, I mean, they're good. I mean, I, I have yeah, good, yeah, yeah, yeah. they love, you know, they're good, good. Yeah. Uh, but I, I like, I'm at the point where like a guy walks, I'm in a store here in Provincetown and a straight guy walks in with his fucking loafers on. And his fucking khaki shorts and his hairy legs. Oh, khakis leg. make me mad. That's enough. Just, just the khaki. And, and you know they walk on the on the outside of their foot. They do that little. <laughs> I want to. I want to take their head and fucking. I want to. I fuck. I. Can't, I don't know what it is.
1: <laughs> well, I just for me, it's like you know. Even my dad said to me like last year at some point he says, "You know, honey, maybe your life would have been easier if you were a guy. I think you would have had a lot more opportunities." My dad said to me, just like that, like,
0: yeah, just like a Oh, nice really? Little. Did you just figure that
1: out? <laughs> but, I mean, it was sort of sweet because yeah. in some ways, I don't ever think that. I mean, right. in some ways, I just think, well, I mean, you know, I'm just weird and I'm just different and that's why. And, right. You know, and then I see weird guys getting like, I'm like, wait a minute. It's not that you're weird. It's that like you're unweird weird girl. Right. And that's right. what's, that's the problem right, is right. that, you know. So, you know, but I, I but then I, I it's like, the, where does the anger get me? And then I get upset about not being angry and, you know, so I try to just stay in my own lane most of the time, you know, it's your color of the rainbow and what can you do? And, you know, I, if you hadn't been mad, then you wouldn't have started on right, right. and that's yeah, your assignment. They, guys and, don't
0: do that. Guys don't do that. Mm-mm. They just move on. Move it on. Um, Beth, I love you. I love, I love you. you so much. I
1: love but, you. I no, I feel I, like I, our, I just will love you forever.
0: Oh, same. Let's hope I live. Um, and I'm so excited to do Uncaverate. Yeah, yeah. My book comes out that two, the, two, the 28th.
1: Oh, so what you have it, right? So you'll promote it. I already yeah. ordered. Uh, you know what? I have to tell you something. I never pre-ordered a book before. And I pre-ordered your book. I love you. I never have pre-ordered a book, and I just thought, why don't you know what I said to myself? I said, my... "I and I saw the pre-order, and I was right. like, well, I don't don't do that." And then I was like, why? Why don't you do that? You should be doing that. This is something you why don't you do that right. that's something you could do to change the world you could you could behind totally oh. the things you love and that's what we have to do now we have to that's all we can do right is support the things that we love right. that are ours and that's how we make the world the world we want
0: yeah i agree and you know that is a very good mode of expression uh,
1: oh, I love you. Thank you for having
0: me. Love, L- thank you for having fun. me. Where tell people on cab oh, where I'm, can they find you on Instagram? Uh
1: Beth Lapidus. There's a dash Beth underscore Lapidus. I don't know why I did
0: it. L A P I D P S yes. Lapidus. Lapidas. Yeah.
1: And, um, and then on cabaret U-N-C-A-B-A-R-E-T. There are two different things. It's very confusing. Follow both. Uh, and on Twitter, Bethelopidas and on cabaret and uh, the websites and Facebook, all, bo- all that same stuff. And um, get on the email list and come to and the And pop Zoos. in.
0: Pop in. Zoom
1: in. It's so much fun. We've got, I mean, besides Judy, I mean, just the crew and it's so much fun. We've been able to have new people And, um, you know, and anyway, we've got, I'm not going to list names, but it's been fun.
0: Thank you so much for listening to part two of Kill Me Now with Beth Lapidus. If you like the show and how can you not make sure to subscribe and leave a review. It helps more people find this amazing podcast. Five stars only, please. Thank you. I am thrilled, excited just i beside myself uh that i get to announce that my book yes i can say that when they come for the comedians we're all in trouble is out today july 28th you're probably not listening to this on july 28th but today's the day tuesday that my podcast does come out so i'm just letting you know it's it's ready for you to buy um, if you haven't had the chance, grab it on Amazon, anywhere books are sold. I did an audio book and I'm really proud of it. Also... I couldn't be more thrilled to be performing live at the Crown and Anchor in Provincetown. It's outside by the pool every Monday and every Wednesday night until September Labor Day. I'll be performing stand-up, my own show, on Mondays, and I'll be performing with Varla Jean Merman, the Judy and Varla show, every Wednesday. Both shows are at nine o'clock. Get your tickets at onlyatthecrown.com. As always, make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram for any upcoming virtual dates uh, at. Judy Gold, J E W D Y, you know, like Jew Gold, and look for me this week. I'm doing a lot of press on the book, and uh, I hope uh, I hope you enjoy it. And as we always say, so long. And uh, everything was wonderful. I'll see you soon. Thank you for the visit. So long.